You're listening to Work It Mommy, where the goal is for all women to be the best versions of themselves. And if you happen to be a mom, be the best mom ever and maintain your sanity while you do it. So today we are going to be talking a little bit about autism. And I think that this episode is good for, of course, moms that have autistic children. But this is also going to be a great episode for everyone because, hey, everyone can be a support person or you may work in a situation where you work with autistic kids or just maybe in your community maybe you have a neighbor who has an autistic child so in this episode we're going to talk about things that will help us all get comfortable and learn some things about autistic children and to do that today we have Megan in of Megan Cox Coaching hi Megan hi thanks so much for having me Thank you so much for being here and sharing your wealth of knowledge and information on this topic. So just a little bit about Megan. She is actually a school psychologist and she is also a board registered BCBA. So that means she is actually a board certified behavioral analyst. So we really love all of that information, all of that um, knowledge and education that she has. And we're appreciative that she is sharing some of it with us today. So um, the first thing that I wanted to ask you, Megan, what are some things that all of us might not realize about how toddlers and children with autism like to things that they like to do during play? Because I do feel like autistic children do play in a little bit of a different way. So that's a really good question. Um, Autism in general really impacts social engagement and play is usually based on being able to be social. So kids with autism oftentimes have delays in play. And it seems kind of weird because a lot of kids, right, we don't feel like we have to teach them how to play. They just know how to play. Mm -hmm. And so it's confusing for parents of kids who have autism because their kid may not engage with them. They may be working overtime to try to interact with their child. The child may try to avoid that contact um, or play in a very unusual way. And that can be really difficult for parents because they sometimes feel like, well, what am I doing wrong? And why is this so difficult? So the first thing I really wanted to get across was that Um, kids with autism sometimes do struggle in this area. So just knowing that and understanding that means that we can then learn some skills so that we can engage with them more on their terms. Wow, I love that. That's so important. And I never thought of, um, you know, the point that you mentioned about like teaching them how to play. You know, I think some of us may even just take for granted, like, oh, our our kids play. But I have, you know, noticed and experienced that, you know, autistic kids do play a little bit differently. And there's a big like scale there because there are some kids that I know that, you know, their parents shared with me that they have autism. And I'm like, I would have never even known because they were interacting so well and everything was fine. And then, you know, um, the different side of the spectrum where, you know, it's a little bit more of a pronounced autism. So you're a little bit more aware. But so I guess, you know, every parent's situation is a little bit different because, you know, autism is so different. Um, It is such a wide spectrum. So that is absolutely true that every kid with autism may show characteristics in a slightly different way. Mm -hmm. Um, So this really can, can 
um, thinking about addressing it from a child who maybe is just avoiding social engagement all the way up to a kid who maybe um, maybe does have a lot of imaginative play, but mm -hmm. maybe runs into problems when it's now time developmentally to move from playing by yourself to playing with a peer and having to share and kind of go back and forth with like, whose idea are we going to use? So mm -hmm. that's where for some kids with autism on that higher end of the spectrum, there still can be a few bumps in the, in the road there too. So so I think the the message is play is really important though. So when you were talking about, about um, that teaching play, mm -hmm. really when you think about all of the skills that go into it from being able to engage with somebody else, um, pay attention to what somebody else is doing, the social skills piece, imaginative play, um, imitation, language skills. So play is really important because that is how kids learn. So mm. I feel like it's so important to really look at this as opportunities to really work on all of those skills, even though we do it through playing, because that's really the building blocks for school success and down the road, kind of just general success in life is that kids really need to have all of those skills and abilities. So one way we can do that is through learning how to um, play and engage with kids starting at a really young age. Wow. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, that's that's in really good information for us to know and have. And yeah, the power of play, as I'm talking with all the different experts, you know, here on the podcast, I'm even now, of course, you know, as a mom, you know, oh, yeah, it's really good for our child to play. But the power of playing and how much they actually learn from playing all kids is just, you know, it's just huge. Um, okay, so what are some things that parents can do to encourage play with their child that has autism? Because as you mentioned before, sometimes kids with autism, they are a little hesitant about playing or they're a little bit more to themselves. So yeah. what tips there? Yeah. So I would say probably the first tip, because as we already mentioned, every kid can be so different. So mm -hmm. I think parents can um, really pay attention to what does their kid like? What do they gravitate towards? Mm -hmm. um, maybe it's not traditional toys. Maybe it's uh, it's other things. Um, you know, it's like the idea of having a an empty box or having like you know mm -hmm. a, a pot and a spoon. Maybe it's something like that. Um, other kids just really like a lot of physical play. So getting outside, running, tickling, jumping, um, things like that. What catches their attention? What do you see them gravitate towards? What even kids who have really fleeting kind of attention spans, mm -hmm. all of them will show some interest in something. So I think it's really being a bit of a detective and just really kind of honing in on what does your kid really seem to like the most? And mm -hmm. is there a way then that you can present that and kind of become a part of that uh, mm -hmm. with them? So if it's something that they really want, maybe you have it and they have to come seek you out in order to get it. So oh, yeah. it's really capturing motivation on their part. Um, kind of not having our agenda, but following their agenda, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, so I would say that is my number one tip. Okay. The other thing I think about is that sometimes um, parents 
take this really seriously in that they feel like they have to have these designated play times. Mm. And kids with autism sometimes do have very short attention spans. And depending on the age of your child, you know, developmentally, you know, young kids don't have long attention spans. So one of the things I recommend is to not feel like we have to have a 20 minute play session, but to think about those routines in your day already and how to make that more fun and incorporate play. So it could be bath time, right? Perfect opportunity. You kind of have a, have a, an audience, your kids usually more relaxed. So bringing in some toys, just having, having fun and trying to get some engagement um, there. Snack Mm. time, same thing. You're at the park, right? It's just building in opportunities more so than saying, oh, it's time to play. We got to get to that, right? We don't want to make it feel like work. The other thing I was thinking too, is that oftentimes um, if you do have a child that is um, more challenging to engage, Mm -hmm. sometimes we have to be more animated and excited and Mm. make everything a really big deal. And for some parents, this feels a little bit weird because, (laughs) you know, I mean, we're adults, we probably haven't played in a really long time. And sometimes you do have to work a little bit extra to try Mm -hmm. to create um, some exaggerated excitement so that you kind of catch the kids attention. Because the idea is you want them to stop and notice and and have fun and then hopefully you're having fun um, and it kind of goes from there. And my last thought is keep it short and sweet because Mm. sometimes it really is uh, quality over quantity of interactions. So sometimes um, I think it's not pushing it so long that, you know, you get tired out and your kids kind of over it because you want it to be a fun time and you kind of want to leave them coming back for for more. That's <laughs> um, true. Instead of pushing it where they're like, um, <laughs> we're done, mom. <laughs> right, exactly. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Those are really, really good tips, you know, just not, and I think that there is something that all moms, you know, we have autistic children or not can connect with in there. And what you said in there that resonates with me is not making playtime. So like, we have to do this like 20 minute session at this time. So many times in day, um, I can get very linear like that. And like type a, like we have to have playtime now, you know, and like, overdo it and make it to where the kids like I just want to lay down or I just want to have a banana you know like they're over it so I think what you're saying is just allowing the playtime to happen and just trying to allow ourselves as moms the time in the day to just have that okay well there we're gonna play now and that's okay you know what I mean like not being tied to this like rigid schedule which I'm thank you for saying that because I think I need to work on that a little bit and relax myself and you know I I have I have older kids now but I but thinking back I also know that I also a bit type a felt very much like oh there's these cool toys and you're supposed to play with the toy as it's intended to be played with and Mm -hmm. and all kids sometimes aren't necessarily interested in playing with the toy as it's, you know, meant to to be played with. So what can you do with it? And, and kids who have autism in particular, um, one of the, the kind of hallmarks is sometimes they don't with 
they don't play with toys in hmm. the way that they they it's intended. So it might be that instead of like pushing the car, right, they're just kind of spinning the wheel of the car. So mm. that still shows an interest and it's still a place to build on. So okay. I always think about it too. It's like kind of creative. We have to be more creative in some ways too. And that's okay. That's, that's really the point is more the, the time and sort of working on those those skills that make up play versus being very set in what we're trying to accomplish during that time. Got you. Got you. Yes. Thank you so much. That is, yeah, that gives me a lot of things to, to think about and, and, and make jive a little bit better for sure. Um, Okay. So how can caretakers, babysitters, family, friends, how can all these people connect with toddlers and babies during play, especially those who have autism? And I mean, we kind of touched on some of those, you know, ways that we can do that, but I'm sure you have a little bit more you could share with us as well. I loved this question. I thought this was really great because um, all the tips we talked about obviously would apply. Um, and mm-hmm. I think this is really important because we do have so many other people kind of mm-hmm. hopefully involved, right? I think that's wonderful when there are other family members, grandparents, caretakers, neighbors um, yeah. involved. The other piece I think is really important about that is is kids with autism, oftentimes as they're learning things, will learn them just in one particular context or environment. Okay. Um, so maybe playing with mom, they've kind of learned to, to, to play and engage and be there um, with her for longer. But then maybe grandma's watching and there's this issue of generalization. So kids with autism don't always sh- show that same skill with new people or different people in a different setting. Mm -hmm. And this is a real challenge because it's not just for play, it can be any skill. So it's, it's common for parents to say, well, they do it with me or they do it at home. But for the kid, it's almost like, well, this is a brand new thing. So Mm -hmm. the more opportunities we give them to generalize that skill with other people, the better off we are at, at teaching it. Um, because again, just any skill, we need to be able to show it in multiple ways with multiple people in multiple environments. So generalization is really big. So having those opportunities to kind of practice in other settings is fantastic. Um, the other thing I was thinking about too, particularly for older kids or kids who maybe have um, higher level skills is that when kids get a little bit older um, and are now kind of doing uh, working on cooperative play um, Mm -hmm. with other kids. It's awesome if you have other kids who you can utilize. Right. (laughs) And particularly if they're their parents also know like, hey, we would love to have a play date. Here are some things that might happen. (laughs) And I would love if we can, you know, kind of structure this and create an opportunity um, for the kids to play together. But it may, we may have to be flexible about how we're going to do it. So Mm. I think that's awesome because, um, we learn from our peers just as people and kids will be more likely to imitate their peers. And if you have a really great peer role model, that's Mm -hmm. an awesome opportunity for learning 
too. So sometimes kids will pick up on, you may have been showing the same thing over and over and hoping this kid is going to imitate you. Mm -hmm. And then they get a little friend in there and suddenly it's like magic. So, so I love any opportunity to try to bring in peers, um, when you, when you can. So oftentimes that's a great way, um, those support people can, can help. Wow. That's, that's very encouraging. Just again, just emphasizing the, the power of friendships, you know, for, for little kids, even, you know, just having people that they connect with, because we do forget how much they, they do learn from each other, you know, in the sandbox or whatever, they're just out there and they, one of them puts dirt in a little pail and the next thing, you know, all of them want to do that. So yeah, sometimes just being in that environment with other kids is just very helpful. And then again, again, just making sure that, you know, for these special um, situations, maybe just taking it a step further to, to make sure that, you know, it's, it's good for, for the kids and for everyone else, but okay. So now let's kind of um, shift back again and let's talk about uh, five tips that I know you have for playing with kids specifically with autism. Yes. So my first tip is to, not force it um, mm. and just be open um, because I think this is where as parents, we sometimes get hung up on what we would like to happen. And right. sometimes we work against ourselves in, in that way. Um, my second tip we kind of talked about, definitely following the child's lead, I think is really important um, in that you know, we're, we're kind of working on their agenda, not necessarily on our agenda. And by doing that, we're going to create motivation Mm. and we want motivated, excited kids, um, because that's, um, we all right. Respond better when we're really like into something versus having to follow somebody, somebody else's agenda. Right. Um, the third thing I would say is, is, Oftentimes with autism, we're looking at small baby steps. So we're looking at slow uh, little progress. So if you do have a child that isn't really showing many play skills, Mm -hmm. um, we're not going to expect them to have quickly develop a a whole imaginative play kind of a script. But what we can do is start small. So if the little girl just gravitates to, to the doll, right? Mm-hmm. But then is just kind of, you know, maybe opening or closing their eyes or just doing something where it's not really playing. Mm-hmm. We might go, oh, the baby. And we may then take it to the next level and start to show some things like you can rock a baby, you can feed a baby, right? And just kind of demonstrating some of that, but understanding that it's going to be little baby steps, baby steps to go along with that. Um, And that we want to just stay really positive and excited and every kind of acknowledging each of those little steps. So as the child maybe starts to imitate, we want to make a big deal about it and celebrate it because we want to cue them in like, oh, this is what she wants me to do, right? I'm doing the right right thing. And then hopefully we're going to have, have some fun. Um, The fourth thing is keeping it high energy and 
fun. And I mm. think for some parents, right, if this is not necessarily your personality, it can feel a little, a little strange. Um, but kids like, um, yeah, they, they like that animated, excited kind of got to be live and in living color. You got to be on. Right, (laughs) right. Light camera action. (laughs) Exactly. And that's why you don't have to do this through your whole day. That would be too much for anyone. So those just short, little, short and sweet, short and sweet. Um, And my very last tip is to, is to not take it personally. If you are feeling like your child is not engaging with you the way you would like them to be. Because I know this can be so difficult for parents of kids who don't have those attention skills yet or the engagement skills. So if you are approaching your child to play and they're kind of wandering off away from you, right? You're working really hard, you're staying pumped up and animated and you're trying to do all of this and you're not getting that interaction back. It's easy to feel like, you're doing something wrong. And the truth is that play and all the skills we talked about involved with play Mm -hmm. really bumps up against the core deficits of autism. So, so it, 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 the challenge is that we, we keep trying because those are the exact same skills we want to build and they can be built but it doesn't happen overnight usually. And so that idea that you can work on it and kids will absolutely make progress. You just keep mm-hmm. trying. But I know as a mom, right, that it sometimes that emotional piece and, yeah. and for us to kind of depersonalize it can be can be challenging. So that's my last tip is just to not get discouraged. Um, Mm-hmm. And to keep and to keep at it, to not take that portion, especially like personally, I guess you could almost say because I could just imagine that that could be, as you're saying, you know, very, very hard emotionally for a mother if your child just isn't able to engage with you. You right. know, um, I know some moms um, that their children have autism. It's even like sometimes the hugs or just the emotional. Yeah connect um, is hard. Now you touched on something there that I did have a question on. And you said it kind of, you know, the whole thing with play is, is almost, it sounds like a portion of what the deficit is with autism. And I'm just wondering, just for my own knowledge and the knowledge of the listeners, if you mind just expanding on that a little bit and explaining it maybe um, even in a different way, because that's very interesting to me. Um, and I don't know a whole lot about autism, mm-hmm. um, but I, I want to. So, yeah. That's a, that's a really good question. So autism essentially... Um, is comprised the diagnosis is comprised of of deficits in communication in mm-hmm. social interaction and in mm-hmm. particular that reciprocals like the, that back and forth social interaction um and this is this is something that for most even babies right when you start to have a baby start smiling and the mom smiles and the baby smiles back right that's even the most basic 
kind of level of social interaction. Right. Playing peekaboo, right? One of the early social games, right? Mm-hmm. So that the baby's looking and they know, right, that that something's going to happen and then they will react and then they know their reaction is going to cause you to do something else. So right. that's kind of the, the very basis of, of social interaction. Mm-hmm. And then the third core deficit area um, of autism are repetitive behaviors or very restricted interests. So this can look Mm. like um, some kids, particularly those kids, when you were talking about, sometimes you're surprised like a kid has autism. Mm -hmm. Um, So sometimes on that one end of the spectrum, you maybe find out like that there's um, these really strong interest areas. Sometimes they're unusual. Um, such as uh, um, being really interested in in fans or lawnmowers or interesting little things, or you're like, who's interested in that, right? Even mm-hmm. young, even kids, like school age kids. Um, or it might be that there's some things that they just are very rigid about, um, hmm. only eating a particular, you know, this one type of of juice box. Mm. if if mom can't find that particular thing right Right. um it's going to be a major issue um routines doing things the exact same way every single time things like that and again some of that is just uh it's the severity of it right because everybody's got their little quirks and things but Mm -hmm. when the severity of that things have to be a certain way or really it feels like the world has fallen apart right um, happens in conjunction with these other characteristics that can be one of the one of the areas so when you think Mm -hmm. about playing oftentimes imitation for example right um you're going to do something and i'm going to do the same thing as you well one i have to be paying attention to you i have to even socially be aware that you're there right Right. before because a lot of kids don't even have the social awareness they're not even zoned in on the fact that there's another person Mm -hmm. there's not that attention component to it so these are some of the very basic levels and then if there are language delays too which for a lot of parents this is the first indication that something might be amiss is usually language development or lack of language development happening Um, so so the language piece too is another huge Part. So those things all together oftentimes are challenges associated with autism and they're also skills needed for play. So that's where sometimes um, play can become a harder, <laughs> harder okay. thing than you would think for kids who have autism. Wow, that is okay. You really cleared that up for me. What thank you so much for explaining that and breaking it down because I think that um a lot of people, even people who may have autistic children may not fully understand what some of those um, disconnects or um, rituals and things like that are actually about or how they tie into autism. So thank you so much for explaining that. I feel like already I have a better understanding of what autism is and like how I can, you know, be better with kids that do have autism. And also encouraging to the moms of the kids who have autism, because it does require more thought process, as as you've explained, you know, um, 
regarding the different types of things that for play, you know, just giving more thought right. to the play and, and how you react personally and things like that. So thank you so much for that. Um, okay, guys. So now what we are going to do is I really want to introduce you to Megan's business a bit. I really want to share um, her website with you guys because there is a lot of really great information there. So right now we are on MeganCoxCoaching.com and um, right here, you know, you have research-based coaching for your child's developmental growth. So um, autism is just one of the areas that you um, specialize in, but you just overall, you're there for parents to help their children develop mentally. And I'm just going to read one little piece that I appreciated from your page. It says, I've spent 20 years helping moms and dads just like you identify your little one's needs, give them support and care for them like the awesome parents you already are. That was just, you know, very (laughs) encouraging to say. And then you also assure people that, you know, they aren't alone. And then um, how to start identifying developmental delays. So one statistic that you share here is one in six parents identify identify a developmental delay in their child before the age of two. And then you give some things to look out for. Um, like if you're starting to notice your little one isn't behaving like the other kids, their age, um, you know, that's just something to be on the lookout for. So um, I just want to kind of then um, go into some of um, your actual um, services that you offer. So one thing people are able to do is schedule a call. So could you tell us what kind of happens with that service? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I really feel like everyone's situation is so different. We've already talked about autism is such a huge spectrum, as are some of the other um, disability areas and special needs that I work with. So so to me, I always feel like I want to just offer a complimentary call to talk with parents, kind of get a feel for what they're struggling with. Um, who their child is, tell me, tell me about it. I want to know. And from there, um, usually we then talk about what kind of support they may be looking for, Mm -hmm. what would help them the most. I would say most of the time, most of the time, especially parents at the early stages of this journey are like, I don't even know what I need. (laughs) Like, Mm. I don't even know what I'm looking for. I just know I need something. This is really overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Um, Everything from trying to figure out like the practical piece of what therapies, what services, what do I do next to Mm -hmm. that more emotional piece of Uh, this has really rocked my world here. And I know I need to kind of get some perspective because I have to really step it up because my child needs more from me. So on that call, we spend about 45 minutes just talking things through and then deciding if parent coaching could be a benefit. Um, How would that fit in with maybe other services and other therapies um, that they may be putting into into place. So, so that to me is an important piece because I feel like at the very least parents leave with a bit of clarity and hopefully some next steps. Um, because I've been an autism specialist for over 20 years now, sometimes they just need to kind of, kind of get that second opinion or hear some validation or ask all the questions because you were so right about that, that piece of, um, 
confusion uh, mm -hmm. of understanding the diagnosis and not just the diagnosis because we can all Google, right, autism, right. and a million things will come up. But what I really do is try to tailor um, that understanding based on their individual child. So mm. how does autism show up for your child, right? Where right. are the weaknesses and where are the strengths and how do we capitalize mm. on those? Because the rabbit hole of the internet oh. <laughs> Tell me about it. Right? <laughs> right? It's a scary, scary place. Yeah. And it's also just the time waster, too. And particularly mm -hmm. at the beginning of this journey, if you just are a parent whose child has been recently diagnosed, time is a bit of the essence. And you don't want to make mm -hmm. the wrong decision because you want to be able to have things set up for your child sooner rather than later. Because that early intervention, there's such an awesome developmental window to capitalize on um, oh, wow. when kids are young, that the brain's still developing. So that's the time you can really make the, the biggest difference with interventions and targeted therapies. So making sure you're making the right decisions, being able to have someone else to kind of talk about and the other piece, too, is that some parents do decide after the call to, to move forward because, you know, um, depending where you're located, there can also be waiting lists for these therapies and services. Mm. So nothing could be worse, you know, and as a mom, too, and also I think you mentioned that type A personality, right. to feel like now I know what's what's quote unquote wrong. I know what's going on and mm -hmm. I know what I need to do and I can't get my kid in yet. Yeah. yeah so yeah. what do you do then? So one of the programs I offer is a 12 week kind of parent training so mm -hmm. that it takes those tips we talked about and amps it up so that parents can absolutely, research has shown, be teachers um, in a very targeted way to help grow communication skills and social skills and language skills. So usually I see that as a good interim step um, mm -hmm. or to do in conjunction with. So that's the other thing we kind of talk about on the call to see if something like that might be appropriate. And it is for some people and other people just need more of a short term, help me figure this out. I'm good to go or. Right. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's amazing. Now you mentioned there at the end, the um, 12 week program. Um, and that basically, like you mentioned, just helps the parents get their action steps together and then they can reach out into their local communities and figure out what they need. And I think that's huge because if you maybe just go to the doctor, right, you get the diagnosis, they're going to give you like a probably a very small list of resources, but it can be, I, I would imagine, overwhelming to figure out where to begin and what to do when. So I think that your program, the 12 week program would definitely help to kind of get that whole picture together. Absolutely. And, and after an autism evaluation, there are usually like pages of recommendations. And and oftentimes, some of them are just kind of general recommendations they write in all of their reports. So helping parents really hone in, like, where do I really have to prioritize this based on what my my child needs is um, 
sometimes helps parents at least kind of alleviate, like, I got to do this all overnight. (laughs) Right, right. Takes the edge off a bit. Thank you so much for providing these amazing services. Um, Yes, guys. So I would definitely um, recommend um, taking a journey over to MeganCoxCoaching.com and seeing all the programs that she has to offer. Um, You also offer some one-on-one parent coaching as well. Um, That is great um, for uh, everyone to, you know, go ahead and take advantage of. And I just, again, have to highlight the fact that you are willing to schedule a call um, with your potential clients, because I have to say, that isn't a service that a lot of people offer these days. It's very hard to to get a person, you know, hear a voice and everything. So, you know, I think that's definitely something that, you know, really it shows that you're trying to to connect and help people. So thank you so much for doing that. Um, Now, everyone, I want to just also highlight really quick um, Megan's Instagram. I really enjoy your Instagram because you have a lot of um, motivational things um, on your Instagram for um, parents that I think is really helpful. Like one of your posts from just a couple of days ago, it says three behavior busting myths to shift your perspective and solve your biggest behavior challenges. And um, the picture here is like, you know, a little pillow fight and everything, but just posts like that to kind of get us thinking. And it also gives you just a little bit of an insight into what you're offering, you know, um, with your business and everything. So yeah, definitely go ahead and follow Megan Cox Coaching on Instagram as well, just to kind of stay plugged in to um, everything new that's going on and everything that you have to offer. Thank you so much. I keep trying to work on adding more resources to the blog that's on my website. And actually through my Instagram, if you click on the bio, I do have um, a webinar that is easy to sign up for because I realize busy moms, right, can't always make it at a certain time. So it's always available once you sign up and you can get it, get uh, registered for it through the bio, but it is called the Autism Diagnosis Roadmap. So it is specifically for um, parents whose child has recently received an autism diagnosis, Mm -hmm. or if you've had one, but you feel like you're not on the right track, um, definitely check it out because um, from doing this for so long, I've been able to kind of take take those common challenges, pain points, questions, and try to put it into a free webinar um, for people. Wow, that is incredible. So the webinar is free as well? Oh, wow. So all they have to do is go on and sign up and and they have access to this webinar. That is great. That is awesome information. Wow. So another thing that I want to point out on Megan's website, guys, is her blog is so awesome. You write a lot about a lot of different topics um, from autism just to um, helping with challenging behaviors and understanding um, children's behavior. And I really like this article that you wrote here on your blog. It's top 10 tips for playing with a child with autism, which we kind of gave five in today's episode. So guys, if you enjoyed the five tips that Megan shared, I would definitely recommend heading over to her website and checking out this article because there's five more tips there for you to pick up. And it's just a quick, easy read that gives a a lot of good information there for um, playing with kids with autism. 
All right, guys. So today we learned so much um, from Megan about specifically playing with autistic children, things that we can do to, you know, so that we're prepared, things we can do to help prepare them, especially if we are moms or parents, but then also if we are, you know, a neighbor or someone who just would be engaging with children that have autism. So definitely there's a lot of good tips that she shared. Remember that article as well that's up on her website, 10 things, 10 tips for playing with kids with autism. I definitely recommend everybody to check that out so that if we're moms, we have a little bit of tips in our our arsenal. But then too, again, even if we're not, we have some tips so that we can be a support system um, for those who who do have kids with autism. So I want to just thank you so much, Megan, for being here today and sharing all your information with us. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure to be here today. Thank you so much. All right, ladies, thank you so much for listening to Work It Mommy. Have a great day and we'll see you in the next episode.